Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Craig Moorhead. I'm Sean Harwell, and this is a show where we catch up with movies that have fallen through the cracks and see what we can learn from them. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Never Podcast. Feel free to shout out compliments uh, or... Insults. Yes, but uh, mostly compliments. Um, also suggestions. We'd love to hear suggestions uh, for movies, if, and if we haven't heard of it, we'll watch it. Uh, and questions, ask away. You can also find us at NeverHeardPodcast.com. Uh, don't go there to leave comments, though. Uh, okay, we can it's, do it's this. It's so hard. You're doing yeah. fine. <laughs> so let's get to the movie. This week, Sean and I watched Holy Smoke, the 1999 movie directed by Jane Campion, starring Kate Winslet and Harvey Keitel. Uh, and Sean, I understand... Uh, You'd never, when we talked before, you said you had never heard of this, but did that turn out to be 100% true? It did not. You know, I, I, I think you, you warned me that if I saw the poster to this movie, I would recognize that it was on my radar. And you're right, it was, but to a very small degree. Here's, here's exactly what I remember about this movie from the time it came out, and that is that Kate Winslet pees in the desert. That's literally all I knew. Uh, and so going into this... That, I don't even know what I was expecting. I, I thought it was some sort of like meditative, uh, you know, oh God, wander off into the world. And, and for some reason she loses her mind and her clothes and, and her urine and her bladder. Yes. Which for that scene, I don't think I'm that far off. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. You definitely nailed the scene. You couldn't have walked away totally disappointed then. Let's uh, let's, let's do a quick synopsis. Okay. Um, and I pulled this one from uh, IMDb. While on a journey of discovery in exotic India, beautiful young Ruth Barron, somebody really overwrote this, by the way, mm -hmm. um, beautiful young Ruth Barron falls under the influence of a charismatic religious guru. Her desperate parents then hire PJ Waters, which is a great <laughs> name, a macho cult deprogrammer who confronts Ruth in a remote desert hideaway. But PJ quickly learns that he's met his match in the sexy, intelligent, and iron-willed Ruth. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like that's accurate. Yeah, it reflects it to a certain degree, but, but we'll get into that in a second. Okay. Holy Smoke, uh, it got a limited release on December 3rd, 1999, and a sort of a wider release uh, in January of 2000. I uh, couldn't find a solid budget on it, but it looks like something in... It looks to me like something in the 5 to $10 million range... Maybe maybe more, but I would say that's the least it probably could have been. Um, it pulled in about $1.8 in the U.S. and $3.3 3 worldwide. Uh, I feel like this is also a movie that's a, it's a part of that 90s Miramax machine. Like It just felt sure. like it was it, – it had to be something that they were thinking, this is primed for Oscars across the board. You got Jane Campion, who had won, you know, been nominated and everything for the piano. And Miramax had done Shakespeare in Love, Train Spotting. Uh, I think Life is Beautiful, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Even you know, even just seeing that Miramax logo come up at the front of this movie, and I didn't even realize this was directed by Jane Campion until her name popped up. Oh, okay, and I, I was like, oh, okay, we got Kate Winslet. Yeah, why did this movie disappear from my to-do list of movies to see in 1999? Because I I remember seeing 
you know, the Phantom Menace and Eyes Wide Shut and a lot of other good stuff. <laughs> and yet this one, I mean, it doesn't even feel like it's from the same era. Like, I'm not sure. even sure if this movie takes place in 1999. I remember it came out in 99. I remember hearing about it. Specifically remember what I heard it was about, which was that she joins this cult and then her family basically brings her back to have her deprogrammed by this guy. And to me, that was the hook. Like, that mm-hmm. sounded really interesting to me. And I, I guess I was one of the few people. But I also think, you know, I remember the reviews coming out, and I remember, a, a, you know, a lot of the reviews, people didn't like it. Although the reviews I was reading, usually the review left me with the feeling that I would really like this movie. Like, it still sounds really interesting right. to me, even though you don't seem to like it. And it seemed like when it came out, they were really pushing, much like that uh, terrible synopsis, they were sort of they they were sort of pushing this sex angle, like yes. it's this sizzling, sexy you know movie. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, uh, yeah, there there there's like a couple love scenes, sort of, but uh, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't nine and a half weeks for God's sake. Like this isn't like something that's steeped in sex. Like it has it has a lot more to do with a lot of other things. Yeah, it only takes place over three days, so nine and a half weeks, is that's out right there. Yeah. Just based on true. chronological timelines. But they didn't have the budget either of a nine and a half week, so. Or the refrigeration. You got to give them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting that you say that because, you know, not not knowing about this, like, being sold as this kind of, like, sexy thing. Oh, man, that was such a weird turn for me when it when it finally happened. You know, I would definitely, yes, I was waiting to see Kate Winslet pee. But, you know, Kate Winslet, when she's whisked back to her small town in Australia, she's basically set up with Harvey Keitel in a, what looks to be like a maybe two bedroom house in the middle of nowhere. And within 10 minutes of her being there, I I wrote down, if Harvey Keitel and Kate Winslet have sex, boo. Uh, (laughs) And I I swear to God, uh, I'll put that on the website. You can see it. And sure enough, it delivered that. So yeah, that's interesting that you had that, like you were going into that and it not necessarily delivering what you were even thinking. And then yeah. me uh, not expecting that whatsoever. And, not, and in fact, not not wanting it to go there. And, yeah. and so it was certainly an interesting choice. Well, and I mean, to that point, I, I was sort of on the exact opposite of the spectrum. I expected, yeah, a lot of that, and but I didn't want it. So I'm in the same right. boat as you. I don't. I don't want this to be about how they just have tons of sex. I <laughs> Can want to ask. Yeah. How much is that to do with the casting of Harvey Keitel? Well, because how old is Kate Winslet at the time of this movie? You know, she's born in '75. This movie takes place in '99. It, it, it's a very delicate balance when you're pairing up an actress of that age to mm-hmm. have sex with a man of Keitel's age, and it felt a little icky to me. And I think that's that's probably part of the problem of. You know, if we're going to learn something from this movie, it's definitely uh, when you take that sort of risk, uh, be it casting or just be it content, it's tough to sell to an audience. Well, yeah, and that that makes it all the more unusual that that they do sell it as almost a romance, <laughs> which which really it's not at all. It is like it's, no way. It's, it's not at all. That's that's not where this is going. So, um, yeah, I mean that that may well have a lot to do with it. People went and mm-hmm. saw it, or they didn't, based on the fact that yeah. They have to see Harvey Keitel's penis again, right? Um, which, which by that time we'd seen a lot of. Uh, yeah, but you don't. You actually don't see a whole lot of it in this movie. So y- right? no, you don't. 
Uh, no. I don't think you saw it at all. I, I, I don't, think there was maybe. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think uh, there's when he chases after her wearing his her dress and the lipstick, which oh maybe is a scene we could probably spend three hours on. <laughs> I, I think it's flapping around a little bit underneath there. Yikes! But yeah, to to be honest, I liked this movie. I felt like it okay. delivered what I wanted, even when it got completely ridiculous. Yes. It definitely was a, an odd mix of comedy and drama, and they didn't necessarily always fit well together, but I gotta say, still, I was pretty much with this story and with these characters the whole way. You know, right at the beginning, she joins this cult, and you don't have any backstory on her. You start Correct. the story, and you just see her. She's in India. She sees these, these girls. She follows them. Next thing you know, her friend is back in Australia telling her parents that she's joined a cult. Yeah, this is kind of told in a montage, pretty much, right? Yeah, and so you never get a sense of, you know, is she is she flighty? Is she smart? Is she uh, is this the kind of thing she does? Is she running away from her parents? Like, you have no idea what any of her motivations are, and aside from sort of common sense things, just about uh, you know organizations that look like religious cults, you kind of don't have any reason to doubt that she's in a better place anyway. No, like, <laughs> you, you don't really have any reason to think, oh, well, she's in danger and someone needs to save her. And and I think that's the thing that, that set it up for me so well. The next thing you know, her family is deciding that she needs to come back and be deprogrammed because this right. is all bad. And so all these people around her are deciding, making all these decisions. She's not allowed to think for herself. So we're talking about feminism. We're talking about how women are treated. And I got to say, I, I, I bit right into that and, and I kind of enjoyed it, even when it got right in your face toward the end with Harvey Keitel calling her a man hater, man hater, which Screamed was, it. that was about as, yeah, as, uh, on the nose as you're going to get. I still liked w- how it wound up. I, 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 I enjoyed the experience of watching this movie. I, I, I can't really give it an enthusiastic kind of thumbs up of any capacity. And it was partly because of, uh, just the tonal inconsistencies and the mix of comedy and drama. But I- I'm with you on that first act. I thought that was really intriguing. My favorite stuff in the whole movie actually was the stuff with her mother showing up in India. Yeah. Uh, you know, her I- mom was great. Uh, she's fantastic. And fantastic. She, uh, she's so ignored for three, you know, three fourths of the movie, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that to me is that's a really interesting setup for something. It's you've got a daughter that by all accounts, happy and in, in you know she's in a foreign place in a very foreign unfamiliar and yeah a questionable environment uh certainly to a westerner or someone from outside of of that world and you show up and you're introduced to this and there, it almost seems like there's a moment there where she's gonna dip her toes into the pool of, of spirituality and she just can't do it like she it runs yeah. off I, I felt so tense for her and, and anxious yeah. and concerned for this poor mother who also uh, is carrying with her this story that Winslet's father is dying. He'd had a stroke, which is all a ruse to get her back, uh, yeah. which I just thought was interesting because that's sort of the setup for Royal Tenenbaums a little bit. That's what Gene Hackman's character is doing, is telling yeah. his family he's dead. Uh, of course, it, it's a very minor beat in this in this movie. But I, I honestly, I, I could have watched the whole movie in India with Kate Winslet and her mother. Uh, I would have loved it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's an interesting experience. Well, uh, let, let's get a little bit into this. Let, let's kind of uh, bullet point it a little bit. What was okay. your favorite scene? My favorite scenes were, certainly were the the opening with the mother being in India. I really liked all that stuff. Uh, and then some of the deprogramming with with Kaitel, I thought you know it, it 
it always ventured on becoming really interesting. There's a moment where I wrote this down, you know, Kate Winslet tells him, you can't stand the fact that I've got faith, can you? Which I, that's a really fascinating concept. And if it, you know, it's a theme that's running throughout this movie. And, and there were moments where I, I really wish that they had lingered in this subject and really, really got into it. Uh, if they are going to make this movie kind of about psychoanalyst uh, analysis, which is sort of what Kaitel is being sent there to do. Yeah, I wanted more of that. And uh, so little little bits and pieces of, of her hideaway in that uh, that remote house before they start doing it. Because <laughs> after that, it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was it was too much. Yeah, yeah. What about you? I I totally agree with you that the, the first act is is told so well and you have a ton of characters that you're following and can I ask you one question about that please there's a character who I think that they endearingly call Fabio and if not he looks like Fabio and there's a scene where he is playing catch I think with some of the other people in the family and runs into a pole and bloodies his nose absolutely uh, that to me was a little cartoonish. And so that to, to you, that, that never felt like it, uh, ventured too far on the comedic side. Um, took it to, to the rest of the movie. You, I'll tell you the scene that, that, <laughs> that worked well for me just because that's that whole scene where Kaitel is basically telling this guy, I can't go out in the desert and be alone with this girl. Right. Like he, he's laying it all out. I can't yes. do that. Like you, you messed up and now I'm going to be out there alone. I, that's a bad idea. And of course it turns out to be a terrible idea. Yes. Um, so for whatever reason, yeah, Fabio hitting that thing. Great. The timing worked for me. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, it wasn't like maybe laugh out loud funny to me, but, but I, I, I could go with it cause they're supposed to be idiots. They are definitely idiots. The, 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 the one that the, the one, the bit that lost me was when the girl whose name I now can't remember, she wants to go have sex with Kaitel. I believe her and name so, is Yvonne or Yvette? Yvonne. Let's say Yvonne. It's Yvonne. It's Yvonne. Yep. She hangs up the phone from talking to him. She's just yes. set it up. She hangs up the phone. It goes into fast. Yeah. It, uh, it speeds up and then there's this like manic piano music <laughs> under it. It's like a like, Looney Tunes no. montage. Yeah, that, yeah. There's a like parrot her, squawking in the background. Her, her, her desperation for the whole thing was sort of funny enough and you could play that and that was great. But yeah, like, like Why? Just cut. Yeah. You could have cut out of that, and and everything could have cut that. Just fine. I like that actress, but at times she felt like she was in a different movie to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when Pam Greer is in the house at the end with the rest of that family, that almost more than anything felt like a huge divide. Like like that seemed like two different movies coming together yeah. right there, and then and then and then she was singing her the prayer. I, I don't know. Yeah. It went to some unusual places and 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 wasn't always successful. I'll give you that. But I, I, I mean, I still I have to say I enjoyed every second of it, whether it I'm was going off the rails down. or not. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I, I mean, I, and I and I fully fully recommend anyone to watch this because um, yeah, it definitely gives you a lot to chew on ju- just for these reasons alone. Like, is this yes. a good mix of things or or isn't it? And you know, yeah, you have these big ideas about faith. And people's belief and people stepping on other people's belief. But then you also have, again, that whole thing happening out in the hut, which, you know, it's, it's more about feminism than anything else. Yes. What is your familiarity with Jane Campion's work? Um, it's not much. It's very possible I have only seen the piano and this. 
you ever heard of a movie called Sweetie? Oh, yeah, I've seen Sweetie. Right? I think we watched uh, that in school. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I thought so that was great, as I remember. I, yeah, it was interesting. I, I, you know, for me, it's I've seen The Piano. I've seen Portrait of a Lady, which is extremely they did sterile. They did school. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, period piece. And then Sweetie, which definitely veers more toward this you know, kind, of, kind of indie comedy, envelope-pushing stuff, uh, which is very early on. And, yeah, I think this movie actually, uh, Holy Smoke has sort of been an interesting mix of everything else that she's done in a weird way. No, totally agreed. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember anything that happened in the piano except for <laughs> there being a piano on the beach at some point. Yes. And Harvey Keitel being naked. Well, sure. Yeah. Goes without saying. Um, whereas this one, I feel, and, and I really don't remember anything about Sweetie, but... I feel like I'm going to remember this movie. And then there's the other thing about this coming out in 99. Uh, it was released in, uh, I guess it premiered at the New York Film Festival. And some people there liked it and it was nominated for some awards. But then at the end of 99, you had a, a billion movies that, you know, are kind of beloved at this point. Like Three Kings, American Magnolia, Beauty was 99. Yeah, Fight Club was out. Uh, the Insider Malkovich. was out. Green Mile. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just it ate up a lot of dollars, and then this one just couldn't kind of push its way through the weeds. Is that a good metaphor? I think so, okay. yeah. Lots of weeds in Australia. There are. There are. Let's talk a little bit about the pee scene. Okay. Did you laugh when she peed? I didn't laugh when she peed. Uh, there was no laughter when she peed. I watched it by myself. Had I been watching it with someone else, probably there would have been laughter when she peed. Because it, it's uncomfortable. Do you think that was real pee? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it what I read was that uh, she they tried a couple times and like she they tried using something fake and she was like, "This is ridiculous. Let me just try to pee." Well, <laughs> and then they tried and she peed. And I don't know which one they used, but uh, well, yeah, well, that's what like. I was wondering because uh, at the moment there is kind of a weird cut and there's sort yes. of a sort of a, a bad slow mo pan down. And it felt like you were supposed to pan down and see her actually peeing, and then I, so I was wondering, was that a was that a ratings thing? Was that an MPAA thing? And they said, oh well, we can't watch her actually pee or something, so you've got to cut it out. I, I don't know. Gosh, that I, I started thinking about that, yeah, because it just it was kind of an ugly shot, and and it was a weird time to have an ugly shot like that. Yeah. Now, Sean, would you like to try and break the story down? Let's do it. So yeah, the first act is Ruth in in India, her friend going back to Australia, telling her family, her mom coming out, going through all that, and then when uh, they're loading Ruth's mom onto the plane, Ruth is getting onto the plane with her, I kind of felt like, okay, we're coming to the end of the first act. Fantastic shot, by the way. Actually, that was one of my favorite little moments in the movie is when the mom is trying to, she's like desperately, kind of pathetically trying yeah. to... Just put her hand on on Ruth. She keeps like either missing or just not reaching, and Ruth is oblivious to it. It was a great shot, really good shot. And then I was uh, kind of looking at, at a midpoint as being my my original midpoint was when uh, PJ takes Ruth back to the parents to watch the videos. But but I think you're right. It has to be when she has the mental break. Yep, she unloads the bladder and the rest of her emotions with it. There's no turning back from peeing in the desert. Mm-mm. And then uh, and then we break into the third act. I felt like that was when Carol came and found him uh, taking a shower outside the thing. When Carol shows up, 
that's like the beginning of the third act. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I, I felt like there was a fourth act after that. How about that? Um, which I thought of as beginning where Ruth tries to escape. They had the whole be kind scene, and he's dressed in a dress and all that stuff, and then they started making out. Right. And then he wakes up, and she's tying the books to her feet. I don't know. Would that qualify as the end of something? I mean, that's... See, I don't know. I thought you were going to say maybe everything after that moment in the truck where she cradles him Yeah, is a separate act. Maybe that's just more of a coda. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I would still just put that under a mm-hmm. epilogue. But it, it is it's so much interesting. One of the reasons I love watching foreign films is, gosh, they, they really don't always surface this three-act structure that's sort of so ingrained into a lot of what, what Hollywood makes. Yeah. I had problems with tone throughout this movie, but yeah, it, it, at least it keeps you guessing. Sure. And I, I do think a lot of that, it tends to be cultural or just the system that they're making movies in as opposed to uh, the product that we get here. From the standpoint of dialogue, I, I do think that line of, well, it's, it's not so much a line as he writes the words, be kind on her forehead, which is interesting coming from that guy. But it does seem like that's, in a way, the simplest paraphrasing of what she learned and felt from this awakening in India. But I don't, I don't think that really is the theme of the movie in a way. It, it, it feels like it has something to do with uh, this idea of control mm-hmm. and giving yourself up to that, having faith in something and in someone mm-hmm. specifically, and then dealing with the ramifications of what that means to everybody else around you. But not, not only the ramifications of those around you, but but the ramifications for you, like if, if you put your trust in a person, uh, you know, what does that mean? Everyone's fallible. And, yeah. and as this movie, I think, proves, nobody really gets through this uh, without messing up. Yeah, I mean, I'm addicted to that stupid show, Intervention, you know, which yeah. is, I, it's not even stupid. It's just the one reality show I kind of watch regularly. And uh, it, it's funny to watch this movie with having a background of that show and then seeing... You know, there's a bit of the sort of same technique uh, early on in this movie when they're setting up, and you know, it's, it's the family like we just want to help you, Ruth. And <laughs> they, they make this circle that they're trying to like contain her yeah. in this little pin of human bodies from her family and her gay brother, and then this guy that looks like Fabio. I, I mean, it was it was such a weird scene, but it was it was fun at the same time. And it, it does, in a way, it feels like this is sort of like, you know, what you don't get to see on intervention is what this, yeah. the addict is goes through at these rehab centers. And <laughs> it's like, here is the craziest, worst thing that right. can happen to one of those people is that they go get locked up with Harvey <laughs> Keitel in the Australian desert for three days and have sex and run off and go to a weird club with people dressed up as cowboys <laughs> and people that surf on top of cars like Teen Wolf. Which, by the way, would be the best episode of Intervention of all time. Yeah, I can't imagine. Let's talk about technique a little bit. What will you take away? What's going to stay with you as far as how this movie was shot and directed and, and some of the visual stuff and uh, performances? What stands out that's not kind of just story-related? Directorially, uh, with, with certain slow-mo shots accepted i liked her choices throughout i like how she handled just these two people you know it, it becomes just this uh you know sort of almost a stage play mm-hmm. in, in the hut for for an extended period of time um and I'm, i always kind of admire that uh when you can keep that you can keep that energy in there 
for something where it's just you know it's two people in 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 one place and there's really not much going on until they start having sex and putting on dresses i guess but man what what will i exactly will i take away again obviously i'm i'm watching this movie i'm thinking a lot about subtext because i think the subtext was was real close to the surface it might not have it might have just been text but um (laughs) but i don't know i mean that's that's really what kept me going through the whole thing it's like I, I i felt like i understood the idea that she was going for and i was fascinated by it throughout and uh of the stuff i've written i haven't really written any sort of big idea things uh-huh you know and and so even where this one where the big idea kind of pokes through and you're like okay you know like like the big idea is showing like you got to cover that up the times when it's not, I mean, I mean, really, again, when we're talking about sort of that first act and just after the first act where she comes back and, and all I can think about is how everyone's trying to change her mind and not, not just not accepting that she can think for herself. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just really liked how all of that was being handled. And in the midst of that, you had that scene where she was looking in the mirror and praying and sort of, you kind of see that she is not, she's not a saint. She's not a, she's not infallible at all. She's just as self-conscious as anyone and and just as worried about everything as anyone. She's young. Exactly. And and I I, I mean, I feel like as far as setting up a big idea, this movie really sets up the big ideas very well. And and that's something I would go back to look at. I have fun just imagining Jane Campion on set directing some of these scenes because of the tonal differences, which again, they didn't quite work for me, but the choices are interesting. You can't say that they're rote or they're, they're familiar. There's a scene where... That Avon character, I think it's one of the one of the first couple times that she sees Harvey Keitel. It's it's at the the house in Australia, and her kids are kind of jumping around on the cars and stuff. And there's one kid that's always dressed up as Batman, and he jumps, and she's supposed to catch her, and she's looking at Cartel and just drops him. It's just like this is I mean yeah. this is like Three Stooges comedy or something. I mean there's so many like weird moments in here. I just like was there one day? Was it the same day that she directed? The one of those sex scenes, or or one of the scenes where, you know, Kaitel and, and Winslet are just really kind of getting into all this serious stuff, and then, you know, after lunch break, she was like, "Ah, oh, God, I just need to laugh." All right, let's throw this kid off the truck. <laughs> you know, aside from that, uh, I thought there's some really cool music choices in this movie. I mean, when you start a movie with Neil Diamond, I'm immediately on board. I loved that. Yeah, uh, I thought. The way that they did the title was kind of cool. You know, you do actually do see smoke come up and there's this kind of cool font. And mm-hmm. uh, there's just a really cool f- feeling to a lot of that early stuff. There's a couple shots, I think, that are just extremely beautiful. There's one where Winslet is sort of standing uh, upwards on a hill and, and Kaito is kind of looking up at her and she's sort of backlit by the sun. And it's just gorgeous. Like, I mean, she does yeah. sort of look like an angel of sorts. Mm-hmm. In a way, I've sort of become... I don't anticipate seeing her in movies as as much for whatever reason, or it's just not like an event. Sure. The way that say it was after, after she Titanic exploded and all Ti- Titanic. Yeah. And then you go back and watch heavenly creatures, yeah. which is amazing, but she, she's really good in this, you know, and she just has a presence that she's able to carry where she can, she pulls off serious really, really well. She pulls mm-hmm. off this sort of internal pain, I guess, or, or, or uh, that's the wrong word, but, yeah, she does it again in this thing, and it's sort of like maybe that's part of not you know getting that excited about her is because she's so good that she can just do this every single movie she's in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was fun to watch her here using her Australian accent. She gets to sing an Alanis Morissette at the top of her lung, you know, 
Yeah. And she totally sells it. Like that that should be that should be an embarrassing scene to watch. I, I hate those kind of scenes it and should I be didn't mind it. Embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I felt like, no, this is just a girl who's in a good mood and she's singing a song. By the way, the location A woman, that, a young woman. <sighs> Sorry. Go ahead. I called her a girl again. You called her a girl again? Jesus. Sorry, man. The location that they're at, and I think it first popped up when she was singing that song, was they're at an emu farm in a place called Weewa, which is a real place, it turns yeah. out, and kind of fits with the whole urination theme, I thought. Uh, <laughs> so if I ever go to Australia, I'm definitely going to Weewa. You can count on it. First stop. First stop, First stop Weewa. is Weewa. Uh, here's a question for you, Sean. Um, since you kind of brought this up uh, a little bit in the last uh, statement you made. So... Right now, we have a lot of quote-unquote faith-based movies that are coming out every year, and they get tons of money because they have a built-in audience. Christians want to go see the faith-based movies. They tend to sound like they're horrible and and kind of one note, and obviously, um, well, maybe I shouldn't get into just supposing things are horrible, but uh, they don't sound like my cup of tea. No. Still... I'm very interested in in stories that deal with spirituality and faith because there are a lot of notes to hit in that world. There are a lot of ideas to hit in that world. I don't feel like these movies are after those ideas at all. Whereas something like Holy Smoke is, and like this is the kind of thing, if you wanted to call a movie faith-based, this is what I would much rather see as a faith-based movie and make me think about what's all wrapped up with, with your faith. Like is sexual desire wrapped up with your faith? Is a love for another human being wrapped up in faith, and or is it just the same part of your brain, or you know, kind of what's going on there? You know, I think unfortunately a lot of what is deemed faith-based in America is stuff that's really actually morality-based, and it's morality defined by you know a Christian standard, and you know that just that doesn't lend itself to sort of seeing, I guess, questions asked in a way that has a lot of conflict and drama. Uh, that, that feels real and it feels cinematic and, and feels interesting because, you know, I think let's face it, like it's, it is the sins that make an interesting movie. You know, it, it's people doing the wrong thing and people doing it because they do have questions and, and, and testing what the limits of morality are and sort of what that definition is uh, that I think defines faith as far as, um, here I go again. I'm <laughs> trailing off. You can help me it out here if you want great, to. I mean, it no, kind it of seems great. smart, like where it was starting. No, no. But, I, uh, well, I, I, and I, I totally hear you, what you're saying. Um, and tell me if this is what you're saying. I would love to. Well, again, <laughs> Craig, tell me what you're saying. Um, it seems like the faith-based movies in America are, are there to uh, reassure everyone in their beliefs and in their morality. Um, it, it 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 certainly sounds like generally the characters are sort of one note characters, so you have characters that are bad and characters that are good, and and there's really no question where that's going to go. So there's really not an examination of what it means to, you know, for instance, have doubts about your faith or anything like that, um, because uh, if, if if you if you have a serious examination of that, that's not going to be your uplifting, reassuring movie that tells you that this is how the world should be and everyone should believe this way or something like that. 
I think so. I think a part of it is, yes, uh, it seems like one set of movies is providing an answer and one set of movies is more interested in the question. Right. And my taste tends to lean towards the stuff that's interested in the question. You know, I don't need everything answered for me. And I certainly feel like I didn't get a whole lot of them in this movie. And I kind of like that about it. Yeah. But I will say, I think that's a good challenge for us. I think we should watch one of these movies, uh, whether it stars Kurt Cameron or not, and <laughs> see what we think. I'm well, sure yeah. Honestly, yeah, if somebody's yeah. listening they, and they want to suggest one that, you know, I've only heard of a few of these. So there's a good chance that we haven't heard of it. Yeah. Let's do it. And, we'll watch it. And please, yeah, definitely suggest the very best one. <laughs> So, Sean. Yes. So now I want to ask you to, you know, going from this movie, you know what the faults of it were for you, like where, where it fell short, the stuff that worked. You know, how would you remake it, reboot it, rebuild it? Or is it another idea that it kind of sparked for you? Well, you know, I think I, I, I mentioned earlier, I would absolutely love a movie about Ruth and her mother in India. I would watch that whole thing. I, I will say, though, when I first was thinking about this movie and you brought up the title and I did not it did not strike a bell and I did not remember it. I was trying to think of like that's a really good title. Like what else could you do with this title? <laughs> and so yeah, l- let me pitch you something right here, Craig. All right. Okay. So let's imagine we're in Vatican City. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's probably mm, let's say 2002. I've got a young couple. They're in their mm, 30s. Very happy. Very much in love. One day, the husband suddenly dies in a car wreck. The wife is stricken with guilt. She's in a terrible state. And she realizes that what her husband left, his one passion in life, was the cigar shop that he owned in the Vatican City. You can maybe see where this is going now. <laughs> no. Okay. So the wife is, is, has people telling her family, you know, this is a terrible thing. She consults with the church but life carries on. You have to continue. So she decides she's going to open the cigar shop again, get business going. And lo and behold, who comes in one day, but the Pope, she hands him a cigar. He's seen smoking the cigar. Business goes through the roof in the process. She meets a nice man about her age. He's handsome, charming, ends up sweeping her off her feet Sort of like the movie Shock a lot. I think you definitely want to cast Juliette Binoche in the in the leading role of Absolutely. this movie. And uh, you know, it's about cigars and religion. Can can I make uh, and love? Can I make one suggestion that I think would yeah. really would really put this over? Let's so, do it. so she meets this guy who sweeps her off her feet, right? Yes. Can that guy be the Pope? Ooh. That's a no, big no. ending. That's a but That's, she doesn't she doesn't yeah. know though. She doesn't know. This is sort of like the American president or kind something. Kind of. I don't know. I don't know if we can get away with that. Craig. The American Pope. <laughs> this is not takes. This takes place in the Vatican City. Yeah, that would make. It's uh, not a good title, but holy smoke! Yeah. yeah well, um, I think you know what you you did ramp it up a whole level commercially. If it right? was the Pope, right? The Pope finally finds love. I don't know if you're supposed to make movies about the Pope. I don't think you're supposed to either. That might be a problem. But we we kind of do have a cool pope right now, so he might we do. he might uh, be okay with the movie itself. So he's into cigars. Yeah, so. the last shot of is like them in the Sistine Chapel, like kicking back. Yeah, with the cigars, kicking, tasting that holy smoke. Oh, man, <laughs> I think you made and, it better. And the pope I, says, I, "Thank oh, you." Holy smoke! 
I love you. And then it, uh, beautiful. Then she <laughs> good, good. So I, I want to yeah, make sure that a, happens. It, yeah, it's, it should happen <clears throat> probably 10, 15 years ago. But uh, maybe it's never too late. You never know. I, I don't think it's too late. I mean, here's my thing. Uh, again, I, I enjoyed the movie. I don't think the movie should be touched. No, so, there's no sense in remaking this movie. Not I at mean, all. And, and, and no. I, so I, I, I want to take the kernel of it that I really liked, which was the idea of the, the deprogramming and all that. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I'd, I'd put kind of an action movie slant on it, you know, Ooh. take it to like K-Biggs. That's what I call Catherine Bigelow. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know where you're going with that. But, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like it, 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 it's almost in her wheelhouse, right? And so it's, yeah. So basically it's about Ruth, our, our, you know, our Ruth in this movie she runs off and joins ISIS, like all these teenage girls are doing now, right? Wow. And so then her family, who happen to be kind of super rich, they'll hire military contractors to go in and get her. So there's none of this, your father had a stroke bullshit, right? We're going to go in guns blazing. They actually get her out. It's a, horrible, it's, a, it's a horrible slaughter, but they get her out, they get her safe, and they cart her off to a place in the middle of like, for some reason I was thinking like Iceland or something. But somewhere just Ooh, looks like it's, like a, it's a completely different planet almost and she's Mm -hmm. just out there by herself okay and so she's out there with the deprogrammer so then we start the deprogrammer part of the story and it's a little more it's a little more nuts and bolts it's it's not about how they're going to end up together in bed it's a little more nuts and bolts it's like how do you really break somebody down and try and build them back up again but you still have some of the same questions of well why am why am i trying to force feed this person and and completely change their mind about what's going on and so maybe it's going to be a little more political. It's going to be a little more like he's kind of a rah-rah USA guy. She's totally yeah. ISIS. Like where do they come together? Maybe they end up just deciding to live in that hut because they don't want to go back to either place because it's just like everybody's so messed up. Do you call it the deprogrammer? Um, yeah. yeah. It seems like you should. I, I don't, don't know. know. Well, I'm worried that if you call it the deprogrammer, people are going to think it's like a hacking movie. And then, oh yeah, nobody Black, watches hacking movies. Black Hat didn't do very well. No, sorry, Ridley. Wait, sorry, I, that was sorry, really... man. Yeah, yeah, cut, cut that out. Um, I like that pitch. That's good. That's interesting. But I, 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 I would, would genuinely that. though, I would genuinely like to watch a movie about like deprogramming someone. Like I, I feel like there's there's tons of drama in there. Clearly, yeah, and there, you're right. There's not enough that's really been done with that premise that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah. With just yeah, the people getting caught up in be it these organized religions that are a bit on the fringe or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, the master sort of deals with that, and I thought that movie is fascinating. So sure. I, it's it's a ripe topic for human drama for sure, and it is kind of weird that it there aren't more movies with that setup. Yeah, I gotta I gotta find some. Uh, again, if any listeners have suggestions about good deprogrammer movies, I'd love to check them out, or or books and for that matter. I actually really like to read a book about it. Uh, if anybody knows n- any, we're not talking about hacking, okay? <laughs> yeah, remember no hacking books. Yeah. This is not about computers. Ugh, the youths. All right, so let's talk about next week then. Craig, what do you got for me, Sean? Are you ready? I'm to ready. Tell me. Oh, if yes. you've heard. Of these following movies. I am ready. Okay. Number one. Captain America. Heard of it. Let, let, let me finish. Oh. The Winter Soldier. Yes. Okay. Heard of it. 
Number two. Star Wars. Which one? I'm finished. That's Star Wars. Oh. Uh, yes. That okay. starred David Prowse. Yes. Heard of it. Craig, have you heard of Starred Up? S-T-A-R-R-E-D space U-P. You're wincing. You I'm, look like you're you're in pain. You, you know that feeling when you have like a word on the tip of your tongue that you can't say? That's that's where I am right now. Wow. Because I can't... Uh, you know what? I can't picture a poster or a person who might be in it or where I might have heard it from. It sounds familiar, but I'm going to have to go with never heard of it. Okay, there we are. Boom. We are going to watch Start Up, and if I am not mistaken, mm-hmm. it is on Amazon Prime right now. All right. Look Looking forward, forward to, to that it. next week. Looking yeah, forward to I'm it. I'm excited show. about this one. I think it's going to think it's going to be pretty cool. Absolutely. Remember, uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Never Podcast. You can find us on the on the on the online. <laughs> you can find us on the web at NeverHeardPodcast.com, and uh, you can find me and Sean in the theater. <laughs> the hell? With a bucket of urine. <laughs> <laughs>